This is Tristan Schoen from Author and Punisher. You're listening to Onde Shock. Ok, salut tout le monde, c'est Lex. Je suis à l'arrière des catacombes avec Tristan Schoen de Author and Punisher qui fait son premier show à Montréal à vie. Hi Tristan. Hello, how are you? Fine yourself. I'm great, I'm great, I'm doing cool, fine. Cool, cool. First time in Montreal. So yeah. you were in Toronto and Ottawa before? Yeah. The day, two days before, how was yeah. it? It was great. It was, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's kind of, I don't know, it's a smaller avant-garde, heavier music crowd. So, you know, but we're happy. We're very happy with the way the tour is going. So uh, we're going to talk about how all this started. Yeah. It's been more than 10 years now. Yeah, it has been. It's kind of surprising, you know, but I, I just kind of look at the merch table and see, you know, six albums and it's kind of hard to believe that happened. But I don't know. I, I think I'm new to a lot of people, so it seems uh, like it hasn't been that long. So if we, we started from the beginning, you're a mechanical engineer from yep. the start. Uh, is it being a mechanical engineer that brought you into this kind of music or you like this kind of music and your mechanical mechanical engineering helps you to develop yourself into that kind of music? No, it was totally, uh, I was an engineer and playing in metal bands, you know, I was always into science and math, but also always playing in high school, even playing in metal bands, you know, like uh, trying to like the Melvins and Neurosis and Godflesh in high school and I was playing in those bands but I was really into science so I I went to uh, Rensselaer which is uh, just south of here you know four hours or something in Troy New York it's an engineering school and had a few bands and then <clears throat> when I got out of school I think I was playing in bands but I was starting to play by myself and also getting into sculpture and I think at that point I didn't want to work in corporate America And so I was trying to come up with ways to use my engineering in a way that was more creative. And uh, I think just time, you know, you only have so much time in one day. I can't have a band and do an engineering job. So I needed to combine them. So almost just out of necessity, you know. <laughs> so you, it's how you kind of came to develop all your... Uh, All your, I would say, instrument, but machine that exactly. you're using uh, for your music. Yeah, I think what happened was I worked in for corporations, you know, for biotech and semiconductor industry while having my music at night. And I think it got to the point where I wanted to be doing this full time. You know, my my aspirations were larger than just being like a weekend warrior. <clears throat> so I went back to art school to pursue sculpture, like kinetic robotic sculpture. I didn't know I was going to do music at the time, but I ended up after one year out of a three-year graduate art program kind of developing uh, machines that made sound. You know, that was kind of where I, I wanted to take it. Sculpture that didn't just sit in a gallery, but sculpture that you could interact with and move in a very physical way. Yeah, a little bit like uh, the sculpture they do for kids. Yeah. When you go into the installation, you can play with them, you can do exactly. things differently. But so, they would uh, never allow kids, they would never allow them to make it that loud and apocalyptic, you know? <laughs> But kids should do that because otherwise, if it sounds too happy all the time, they have no sense of, I think, you, you, I think kids might get depressed if they hear happy music all the time, you know? So you need some sort of release of aggression and physicality you know so. yeah anyway any parents know that 
sometimes their kids are just yelling or crying just for the sound of it, but right. they don't really mean it. Oh, they should do so. it into a microphone. <laughs> so yeah, that's what they should do. Because it otherwise, in a they'll, they'll, otherwise they'll start like uh, buying guns and shooting people. You know, and that's that's not a good way. It's better just to be loud. So. Yeah, better to be loud, express yourself, <laughs> let it go. You just released a new album, Milk and Honey. I was listening to it. I, I, I'm an old school guy, so I could figure out some, well, God Flesh influence maybe, or yeah. uh, some things that comes from the ministry era, from the dark side of the spoon. Yep. And I was pretty, I was pretty impressed that you you go back to these kind of things, but with a new kind of machines that you're doing by yourself so you were already into this kind of music and oh yeah i mean i've i've been since early 90s i mean that's what i listen to i mean like neurosis ministry for sure but okay. like i would say like a lot of more death metal nile and cannibal corpse uh, obituary and then like mishuga i like the early mishuga a lot you know um, but then also a lot of drum and bass early drum and bass and and the early dub stuff out of the uk that had that kind of really dark raw mm -hmm. cold feel so that was big influence as well and then i think going in like his hero is gone and some of the more um you know tragedy and some of these more like really diy um bands that kind of felt like they're improvising a little bit not super strict in their structure so i try to keep things so i can improvise in my music you know so is it uh, what we can expect from your show that you're going to be a bit yeah. deviant from your music yeah, oh yeah, and getting sure. into your own improvisation? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't play. Uh, I have had sets where I play some sequences, but most of the time, you won't hear anything. Everything you see is played live, you know. And I can stop it and change it at any time, and I will. Or I'll change the rhythm or slow the song down. You know, I'm not. I don't even know what songs I'm going to play right now. You know, I know generally it's going to be all in the new album, but uh, yeah. I heard also that your performance are kind of physical. Yeah, very physical. I guess so, because are you going to use your mask tonight? No. No, you, you right now, them? well, I have them with me, but okay. the I have one of the throat. I have the throat mic, which is, you know, technically part of the masks, but uh, the, the masks are right now are a bit more of a. I'm doing them at festivals. They're kind of their own. Uh, own performance okay so they're not really in with the other machines currently so yeah at house core festival in san antonio i'll be doing a separate mask performance kind of a, a pop-up performance improv so you yeah. just mentioned the house core festival uh that is your uh, your label now the, mm -hmm. the house core records from phil and selmo how did you get onto that label Well, uh, I would say, God, it must have been a... I had a trip to Europe uh, with... Uh, went with my wife. We were just, you know, I booked it myself. You know, maybe three weeks of shows and then a week of vacation. But it was a hard tour. And somewhere in the UK, Manchester, one of his stage managers came to my show and said, Hey, um, uh, Phil and I were listening to your stuff and Phil would like to get in touch with you about touring or something. You know, and I said, okay, sure, here's my email. I didn't think anything of it. And two days later... An email came in with all capital letters, you know, this Phil and Selmo here. So, and then we just um, did a couple tours together. Okay. Hung out, and I, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, he's a he's a rock star, but his real his sense of what heavy is, and his like the 
the way he approached me in a very personal way about the sounds of the music and why he liked it and what he likes about music were right in line, you know. And so when we did the recording, it was, uh, it was, there were never any moments when I was like, ah, this guy's taking it in a direction I don't want to take it. It was very much the whole time, uh, very much like, oh, you know, he gets what I'm doing here. He gets the groove or the heaviness of what I'm doing, you know. And he let me kind of go off on my tangents. But, nice. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, not to say that we didn't go through my lyrics and all sorts of uh, critiquing of, of my process. But well, that's, that's why his I would, job yeah, he's at a producer. some point. Yeah. yeah. So I'm totally happy with how everything came out. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. And is there a... How can I say that? Well, being with what one guy like this, it kind of gets you a little bit more exposure. Did you really get something out of it so far? Do you really feel that you're um, yeah, better I mean, exposed, that uh, people are digging into your shit more? Than, a lot of people with down shirts are coming to the shows, and I get a lot of a lot of interest from people that might seem like they are not into more experimental music. I mean, I wouldn't say what, what, what Phil has done by accepting me into his crew is not so much for me, but for other experimental musicians because he, his, he's forcing those people who are only going to listen to that stuff to open their eyes now to electronic music and say, hey, electronic music can be heavy too. Uh, I don't use, you know, I don't play guitars. I do, I used to, but uh, I think that's, not just for me but for the whole genre to expand now oh it's not just stacks of amps that aren't plugged in with guitars <laughs> and now with uh, six album already done and things going better and better for you i can see on your face that you're kind of enjoying what you're doing yeah, that's so cool fun. so are you are you still going into experiments or now you're gonna kind of try to how can i say that but uh center a little bit more all that you did so far you know you understand well, I mean, what i mean I'm learning, to, i'm learning to play these machines better so like i can my music sounds a little bit more coherent now to some people but i'm building new stuff so once i build that new shit it's going to be uh i would expect it to be a little bit more experimental sounding because when i'm building new stuff when i come out with a new album Because I usually do like two or three albums with one set of instruments, you know, because it takes me so long to make them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is a, an element of, uh, oh, there's going to be a new sound here, or, or, or this machine does this thing, like uh, something that snaps in. Like one of my new machines is this drum machine that has these grooves in a board that snaps in the drum, so it's very industrial sound, like... And so I expect it to be have a totally different sound but it's dictated by what the instruments are doing and so I'm pretty excited to see what that's going to be because there's limitations there you know uh, well there's limitations <laughs> everywhere with all, all the instruments and that's what I anyway, like about it I like so. to make situation for myself where I can't just play any song I have to okay oh this is where that's going now so uh, because otherwise I think you get stuck in what the crowds want to hear oh yeah your last album had a lot of harmonies on it well we want to hear more of that well maybe you won't you know so Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool because at some point you got to be comfortable with what you're composing. Right. And as you're doing your own machine, you got to go with the sound that they, you, you can have an idea about what it's going to sound like, but it's when you're experimenting with it that you can discover 
well, I cannot go there, I can't go there, and I didn't know that I could do this and this and this. Right. That's the way you see the thing. Yep. And that's the way you want to build your music. Yeah, because otherwise you get stuck, you know. I think a lot of it happens to a lot of bands when they start to get a little bit more popularity. There's a bit more expectation to uh, follow the flow of... I mean, I've seen people having to change their band name with, with bigger labels to be a little bit more likable. I don't know, fucking A. You know, well, I so. look at the Melvins, you know, they're one of my favorite bands and they never give a shit and they still don't give a shit and they stuck it out and now they, I don't think they are rich, but I think they make a good living off what they're doing to the point where they're comfortable and, but they still kept their integrity and I'd rather be 60 at that point, you know, that maybe Buzz might be almost 55 now. Yeah. I'd rather be at that point than be at the point where I had some huge album and I'm stuck, you know, having to then go back and be like, no, I can still do experimental stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Saying it in your living room that you can still do the stuff you did 20 years ago, but you're not doing it you for 15 because, years now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know well, what you think of, what yeah. you say about that, yeah. And I want to know, uh, why are you called author and punisher is it because you're the one that is the brain behind and at the same time you're going to inflict the punishment well, after on stage i think that's a nice uh, i guess uh accident but really it was uh, i went to i was like a total atheist brought up my mom was a science my parents are both really into science and math and uh i went to a catholic high school because i uh, wanted to play hockey because i was a hockey player and So I had to drive half an hour to this Catholic high school, and but I was total atheist, so I had to go through all this shit, you know, learn all about God and Jesus, and I listened very carefully. But I was every chance we'd have a, we could, I would always wear some sarcastic, you know, religious shirt. Yeah. So then, you know, I had this shirt that had all these names on it, and one of them was author and finisher, and I think uh, we were stoned in college and just said that God isn't author and finisher; he's author and punisher. You know, it was just like this stoner thing you know in college and then it stuck and i think it is good for a one-man band because it does have an element of dual personalities well shit. you see that i had my own image about it exactly yeah song. no but really it's just like any other band name it was just from a stupid t-shirt at a thrift store okay yeah. and, <laughs> and now after uh doing this show where are you going to now i'm Your going to near cute. my hometown which is in uh boston uh massachusetts for a festival called void star Okay. It's a, a big industrial festival, uh, and my family lives near there. But uh, then we take three weeks off uh, to go back. I work in a, a neuroscience lab in, in San Diego. I go back there, work for three weeks, and I come back and do another... Three. Yeah, you still have to earn your living. I think maybe three and a half weeks of tour after that. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, up to Thanksgiving, and then it's off, and then Europe in January. So yeah. So you, you're going to... You're gonna bring your new album on the road a lot, yeah. and, and use it and show it and okay. yeah, for sure. tear it apart and everything, and reinvent it on stage and everything. Well, yeah, I mean, I got a toy, I got a crew now, and you'll you'll see the masks start to work their way into the set more. But you know, it, it's it's a lot of instruments already up there that I manage, and to get three masks that each have like four wires, an air compressor, uh, you know, plus my entire sound system. That's why I don't always... Sometimes you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes well, it's one setup, sometimes it's another. Well, uh, I'm really anxious and happy to be here tonight because yeah. uh, I want to see what what it looks like on stage. I've been listening to your album. Yeah. I, I think you got a pretty good sound. Thank you. I want to see it. I want to see how you well, it's use It's much more machine. punishing live. You know, uh, could critique <laughs> Phil and his producing crew at all, and I can't really because they did an amazing job, is that 
they're not electronic music guys. You know, I'm I'm full like drum and bass electronic mm-hmm. music, and I w- they put a lot of guitar tone on there, but I put a lot of, when I play live, I put a lot of bass. You know, so I don't. I prefer to just have it be like wobbling, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, chest thumping bass. So I think you'll hear a little bit more um, electronic influence than metal influence live. I think so. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going to see later. Yeah. Please, now I'm going to thank you a lot. I don't want to take too much of your no, time sure. and use your voice at the same time. So uh, I'm happy you take some time to talk with me. And is there anything that you'd like to say to people before we close this thing? <sighs> well, I'd like to give a shout out to the band. Stay Mustang. inventive. I know you're going to say this one. But, no, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, don't go to Guitar Center and make your own shit. Uh, so I think that's the big, that's a, that's a great one. I'd like to also give a plug to the band Muscle and Marrow that I'm touring with. Uh, there aren't enough female-fronted uh, metal bands in the world, and, and, and they're a great one. So you'll see them tonight. And uh, that's it. So thanks for having me in Montreal. Thanks a lot, Tristan. That was a pleasure. Of course.